so in the sugi of 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 Akash Baruch Hu's relationship with the world, Sovev Kalaman and Ramali Kalaman, and we're going to see how this affects everything that we do. We've been talking about the past few weeks is how the world is divided between makomas that seem to be neutral, other makomas that are places that are kedoshim, places that are tmeim, people, things, and so on. How how does that all fit with the reality of lace also ponui mine, that there is no place without God. Everything is Hashem. Everything is elokus. Everything, therefore, should be holy. Since everything is elokus, we were talking a lot about that based upon the Tzamech Tzadik in a few places, Peruvu and other places in Dechum Tzasecha. How is it possible to have a, a Makam Tomei, a place that's impure, where we're not allowed to speak about Hashem, go to Beisakise, or a place of Avodah and so on, how is that possible? <clears throat> we learned that, that, there are, that there are places, there are people, and there are things that are so that are so coarse and materialistic, they're so far from being bottled to Hashem, based upon what happens in those places, or what's done with those things, and so on, and how those people live, that their lukus, their lukus is in a state of iser, in that place. It's bebeis asurim, as the Tanya explained, it's imprisoned. Of course everything is God. But the reality of that is of that particular of that particular place or person or object is that despite the fact that lace also that there is no place without Hashem and everything is God, everything is a lakus. But we learned that that, that there is that machina of elokus that is makif, with the or with the light of Hashem. But the light of Hashem is not revealed as having penetrated into the into the essence, rather, but rather it's like the sun, the marshal of the sun that we learn, and the way that the sun the sun shines upon everything, but there's no hisgalus, there's no revelation in a pnimistic way, of elokus in that person, in that place, in that object, and and that is how the Tzamech explains. Nistalik or Ein Sov Baruch Hu. Going back to the Tzimtzum, that there's a disappearance of the infinite light of Hashem. And he writes, Shlo Yoir Bebchinas Pnimi. Of course, there's no disappearance. There's no place without God. So, what does it mean, Nistalik? That Nistalik means disappear. So, the Tzamar Sadek writes, Shlo Yoir Bebchinas Pnimi. It means that in that place, or that person, or that thing, the or of the infinite light of Hashem, is not illuminating, is not shining, and all that we learned about a pnimi is, we're not going over that right now, it's not in that relationship of pnimi, of memalei, now, once we've learned this, we can move away from the subject of places, Tmeim and Kedoshim and so on, how, how that is, and we can move into our, into our world of Tarim. It's just to understand 
the revolution that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh made that we've been discussing from the beginning of, of this year. In order to do that, we need to learn, we need to learn a, a parak in Tanya, parak hey, to learn it quickly. And I've decided again to use this fantastic new translation and commentary from Reb Chaim Miller, the practical Tanya, which uh, I strongly recommend that everybody tries to review Tanya with this over and over. There's something very unique about how he uh, about how he did this. And um, we'll learn inside to understand the difference between what happens when a Jew learns Torah and what happens when a Jew is Mekai Mitzvah. What does that mean? And what's the difference between Torah and Mitzvah? What's the difference? Because the difference is going to boil down to that which we've been learning about, the difference between an Or Pnimi and an Or Makif. And we'll understand in Halacha also, we'll learn afterwards in Halacha, how there are distinctions in halacha as a result of this chilek between pnimi and makif, there are differences in halacha that come out. The question of whether a person is allowed to be maharer b'divrei Torah, let's say, in a Besakise. Are you allowed to be maharer? Are you allowed to think of divrei Torah in the bathroom? Are you allowed to be mekayim a mitzvah in a mokim office in a place that's unclean? Me'ikyo hadin, are you allowed to do such a thing where a person is not dressed? What are the what what exactly are the per, the parameters of 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 the relationship between a godly act, an act that we're doing of Elokus, and the place that we're in? Where are we? In Halacha boils down to this boils down to this chilik between Pnimi and Makif. Uh, I didn't notice that there's only two, like two, three lines on the first page, and I'm just trying to save a little ink in the machine. So I'll just read to you. But it's parakeh. We learned this in tiny together with the Chabur years ago, and we're not doing this baomek. If we do it baomek, then we'd be busy with it for the next few years. We're just going to learn it very quickly, so that we have a little bit of a, a grasp of this, which is a, an olive base in Tarzach Sidis. What we're learning. Maki from Panimi. And it helps us to understand all the different types of mitzvahs that we have and and, uh, and the Indian of Limanat Torah. So I'll just, I'll just begin with the first words that you don't have in front of you. But the Tanya begins, Parakei, Lutasefes Biyo Berhetev Loshen Tfisa. Shom Elio Leis Machshove Tfisa Berklal. The Rebbe is now going to explain what does Elio Novi mean in the Tikkun Ezar uh, when it says... No thought can grasp you. What does that mean? That no thought can grasp no thought can grasp Hashem. Over here, the Tanya explains in this parak how how through learning Torah a person on some level is able to grasp Hashem. So let's learn inside. We could just do like we did last time. We'll just read it in English and go with the uh, the uh, with the Lashon of the Tanya as it's as it's brought down in the uh, English on the bottom. So let's go. We'll just do it quickly. When you understand something, you own it. You see it. Everybody have. When you understand something, you own it, and it becomes absorbed in your mind. <coughs> this the Tanya will suggest is what the Zohar implies by the term grasping, Tfisa. So the Alter writes. 
הנה כל שכל, כשמשכיל ומשיג בשכלו איזה מושכל. Now when your mind processes and masters an idea, not in a superficial way, when a person's mind processes and masters an idea, then your mind initially grasps the basic point of the idea, mentally engulfing it. Mentally engulfing it. It grasps and engulfs. That's Loshnev Toyfes, Litpois. So he explains. When you understand something, your mind absorbs it and engulfs it, like a sponge soaking up a puddle of water. At this early stage, however, you have only engulfed and absorbed the basic point of the idea. Now that you are intrigued, your mind desires to fully master the idea's inner logic and broader implications. Only after this analysis is complete can you fully grasp the idea. That's how the mind works. The Tanya writes, V'hamuskal nispas u'mukaf u'malubash b'seich ha'seichel she'hesigoy v'hiskilo. And after it has become thoroughly analyzed by your mind, the idea becomes fully grasped, engulfed and absorbed in your mind that figured the idea out and mastered it. V'gam, but there is yet another dimension to the experience of mentally grasping and this takes place between the time when you initially grasp the basic point of the idea and your final mastery of it. Haseichel is melubash b'musko Because during the interim time when your mind is processing the initial idea, attempting to fully grasp it, then the reverse is true. It is your mind that is absorbed in the idea. Because it, because it is captivated by it. The mind is being absorbed in the idea. The mind is absorbing the idea, and, and at the same time, the mind is being absorbed by the idea, because it's captivated by it, it's taken by it. <coughs> he explains, until you have mastered the idea, it still captivates you, which means that you are absorbed in the idea. As soon as you have, fully ma- as soon as you have mastered it fully, it ceases to captivate you, since you have absorbed everything there is to know about the subject. At that point, the idea is absorbed in you. Until you fully get it, it absorbs, it absorbs you, the idea, and captivates you. And then when you fully comprehend it, then it becomes completely absorbed in your mind. Now, when the idea studied from is the Torah, a text which is one with Hashem, not not some other outside idea, but it's Torah, then the resulting union with Hashem is an extremely intimate one, where you are absorbed in Hashem, while He is also absorbed in you, so to speak. I realize it didn't come out so well the, the on the, the left side, so I'm sorry, I think the first word didn't come out of a couple of letters. Derech Marshall. By way of illustration, the Tanya says that when you are in the process of analyzing and fully mastering a ruling of the Mishnah of Gemara, 
Your intellect progressively grasps and engulfs the ruling, absorbing all its details and ramifications. And yet at the same time, your mind is absorbed in it and is captivated by it. Now, when you're learning Torah, you're not you're not reading a newspaper. You're not reading somebody's ideas. It's Hashem's mind, and Hashem and His Torah are one. Now, this ruling of the Gemara represents the wisdom and will of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Sheolah beitzano, shekishiyit on ruven kach vekach derech marshal, v'shimin kach vekach, yihapsak b'neihem kach vekach that it arose in his will, in Hashem's will, what the final ruling would be when, for example, Ruvain will present a particular legal argument and Shimon a certain counter-argument, learning the Gemara, absorbing this divine wisdom and will into your mind, while at the same time being captivated, absorbed by it, represents a very powerful union with Hashem. You are absorbing Kivyochal, the Infinite One, that is expressed through his mind and through his will in this din, in this Gemara, in this discussion of the Gemara, that might that has nothing to do necessarily with any reality that's completely disconnected from anything you've ever seen in your life. You never came across a situation of Shnaim Ochzer Metalas. those svaras of Reuven and Shimon over the, over the uh, Shmata, uh, those are svaras that, that you've never encountered in your life. But your mind at that moment is struggling to absorb the, the infinite mind of Hashem that's expressed through these discussions on halachas. And Kivyochal Hashem's mind is uniting with your mind and absorbing you. That Torah is absorbing you and your mind. And this is a powerful yichud with Hashem. It's the most powerful yichud that a human being is capable of. But what if you study a part of the Torah that has no practical relevance, that we just say? Does that still represent the wisdom and will of Hashem? So you could be learning you could be learning two, three blot of the Gemara, and it comes out that it's not Lamaisa. And that the Gemara is not La Halacha. Or it's a Shita that you're learning in the Postgum that is rejected from Halacha. Does that still represent the wisdom and will of Hashem? Now, there's a difference between learning something which is not kalacha and not grasping something, not understanding something. What if a person works very, very, very hard to understand something, to wrap his mind around it and to absorb it, and it turns out that, the, that after two minutes of being in the shiri afterwards, he realizes he got it all wrong. Or, you know, he peeks into the uh, art scroll or something, and he realizes, oops, you know, that's not the pshat in the Gemara. That this, it's just what I, I worked on this for for an hour, and it's not the pshat. So, what is that? What does that mean? What happens during that time when a person is trying to understand? Now, th- here, there's a connection between what the Rav, what the Baal Tanya writes in Tanya, and also his pshat in Shocharach. What is happening when a person is making a mistaken effort? Well, he's trying hard, but it just doesn't go. Or he's frustrated. 
He doesn't understand it. He's learning the Gemara. He tries as hard as he as he can to learn this din or to learn the Gemara. The guidance, it's not gone. He doesn't get it. So, what happens then? So the Tani writes first at this level. Even if this, what the Gemara is describing, these tainas of Reuven and Shemin, could be that it never happened such a, a, a disagreement, and it will never happen. And even if this scenario never came to pass, and will never be, and there will never be actual litigation involving these particular legal arguments and claims. Will never be. We call Malcolm, nevertheless. Since it arose in the will and wisdom of Akash Baruch, but the final ruling would be if one person would present a certain legal argument and another person a corresponding counter argument. It follows that when you understand this ruling with your mind, and not just the ruling, but the shakavatai, the, the, the discussion. As the law is prescribed, turn the page, by the Mishnah Gemara or later authorities. You thereby understand, grasp, and engulf within your mind the wisdom and will of a Kaddish Baruch. The lace machshava tvisebe. The low beard son of Chachmosa. And as we've explained in the previous chapter, the Zara states no thought, meaning no human thought, can grasp him. No human thought can grasp Hashem. Not his will, nor his wisdom. Since no finite mortal can grasp something that's infinite. That which is finite can, cannot grasp the infinite. Yet the exception to this rule, when is a human being, a finite being able to grasp the infinite, that which is infinite? Doing what we're doing right now. Learning Torah. Yet the exception to this rule is when that divine wisdom and will is dressed is mislabesh in the final rulings of Jewish law. Now the Rebbe concentrates on psak, on final rulings. It, it, it implies, it seems to imply that it's not the shakavatai or other things that are not the final psak. And that's discussed at length in his in the in the terms of his of his uh, descendants, how that works. But Lamaisi it, it's not only psak halacha. It's especially especially the intimacy of that yichud that takes place through learning through the Mishnah, the, the Pasuk and Chumash, let's say, through the Mishnah, through the Gemara, through the Rambam, the, the Torah, Shulchan Aruch, and so on, to get down to the Lamaisev Halacha, that yichud is the highest yichud. It's the highest yichud. And it's a way of learning that was always, that was always accepted by the by the Hasidim, by the Svadim. To learn the Sugya, La Sukeh Shmaitza Aliba de Hilchasa. 
to learn it all the way through to the halacha lemaisa. And that is a wonder you see. There's no question that the psak halacha is a is the most powerful representation of of the divine will of Hashem. Lemaisa, the divine will of Hashem. Lemaisa, even though that particular din is not anything that you've ever encountered in your life. Nevertheless, the psak din and how it comes out lahalacha is Devar Hashem, Zu Allah. The Devar Hashem in the most profound way is Allah. But it does not mean, Chas Hashem, that when we're learning Shaloka Allah, or if a person does not understand what he's learning and he can't fully absorb it, that there's not a level of Yichud that's taking place. Lahavdil, Elof Alpha, Avdol is just a Moshal and a Nimshal in the relationship between husband and wife. There are levels of Yichud as well, without going into any protein conversation, and so on. There are levels of yichud, of that relationship. It doesn't only mean the ultimate yichud. There are levels of yichud. The ultimate yichud that's, that the Alter Rebbe is talking about is la sukeh when the person follows through to grasp the, the infinite will of Hashem. Now, how does that work out when you have a machlokis aposkim? So you have that Ramayisha says like this, and Shlomo Zalman says like that, and Rabbi Vadi Yosef says like this, and Rav Yosef says like that, and so on and so forth. We're not going to go into that right now. This is these are very fascinating conversations, but at a different time. We just need to try to get the basic to to understand the basic point, the chilik between Makif and Mamali. Uh, only just to understand what we just learned, because wouldn't you say that there's something maybe perhaps bigger than struggling over a Gemara than? going over a Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch and just learning the practical application? I don't know what you mean by bigger. That's that's huge. So that's huge. The 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 that's end. that's huge. We didn't talk yet about learning about learning Pneumius meaning learning Chachmah and Esteros, Kabbalah and so on. We're not going to go into all those the different subjects that are being learned and learning Tanakh. The Rebbe is speaking here to help us to understand that especially when it comes to something like Gemara, where oftentimes a person feels, God forbid, a futility to what he's doing, that he's trying to understand Svaras, especially, I've had this conversation many times with Bali Tshuva, when they first are exposed to Gemara, and they're used to, they're used to reading things to try to get to the, to get to the bottom line as, as soon as possible, and, and uh, not to savor at all the... Uh, the Mahalach, you know, uh, 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 the journey to get there. So we were raised like that. So ever since I can remember, that's how we were taught that way. That's how we were learning from the time that we were kids. But when you take, a, when you get a Belchuv and he comes and you, and you put him into the yeshiva and you put a Gemara in front of him and tell him to learn, and he says that you give him some Chavrusa, and they, st- they start to learn that he goes out of his mind. That, that what, 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 kind of, what kind of a way is this to understand something? And that's Ben Mitzad, the way of learning. And then the subject matter. Can we just get to the point over here? And why don't we just skip a few pages and tell me like what's the what's the final outcome of all of this? So there is there is often a feeling of, God forbid, of futility, of wasted time, either in in learning things that seem to be irrelevant or not lahalacha. Mr. Tani explains elsewhere what happens when we're learning those shitas that are but we're just not going to go into it now. But there's an unbelievable yichud that happens when we're learning the sheet of Beishamai also, even though we pass on a Beishilo, when we're learning Beishamai. 
This, the yichud is the yichud is astonishing. We're learning those those sheetas that are that are not lahalach. It's also an unbelievable yichud aleph and beis. When the subject matter, when the subject matter is something which is not nogeya, it just doesn't seem to be nogeya. You're learning agadita, you're learning agadis, so you're learning you're learning things in halacha that hilchas uh, l'mashicha that are not applicable, that don't apply in our lives and might not ever because of certain technicalities. So there is that feeling of, of what, what, what's happening when I'm doing this. As far as we're concerned, for whatever reason, this is what Hashem's thinking about, along with a lot of other stuff. This is what's on Hashem's mind. And not only is it on Hashem's mind, but, is the, but it is a revelation of an inner point of God's thoughts. As far as man is concerned, the most intimate relationship that one can have with the Kaddish Baruch Hu is Liman Atar, is Liman Atar. So for anybody to say that to the Hasidim that Liman Atar is not important or as important, you just have to open up the fifth parak of Tanya. But you have to learn it properly and absorb it the way that Tanya is talking about. To to understand properly what it means, what's happening, this yichud when a person is learning Torah. As we have learned in chapter 4, let's go weiter, Hashem compacted His infinite wisdom and will into these fi- into the finite garb of these Torah laws. Even though we don't know, we don't understand that. How, how did that happen? How is Hashem's infinite mind? How is that is that compacted into 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 this uh, you know Tishnaim Achzim Like, of course, when you learn then the Svamakadoshim, particularly what's being done now in a more open way, is to show how we can understand Shnaim Achzim There's an unbelievable mimer from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, around fifty pages on on that on that. Discussion in the mission of the Gemara of Shnayim Achzim Betalus, Maimish Shnayim Achzim Betalus, of what that means. Now, what is Hashem Shnayim Achzim Betalus, and to learn the Pnimis, to go deeper and deeper into the into that halacha, and to understand the halacha and the Pnimis of what that halacha means beyond just what one actually is doing, but to learn to learn what that what is another Maimish that he has, and I maybe get Medina Sayyam and Gitten, and to understand. What does that mean? What what is what is that separation? It's not only a separation between a, between a husband and a wife. It's a separation between Hakadosh and the Shechina, between a Jew and Hashem. And what does that mean? What is the Yom? What is the ocean? And what the Zohar tells us what the ocean is. Where is this place called Medina Sayyam? In Pnimis, in Kabbalah, in Chassidus, what is it? There are infinite levels. It, it, but we're when we're learning the halacha, we're learning that which is which is most open and most revealed for everyone to see. But one can one travels further back and deeper and deeper into that halach. Every single din every single din in the Gemara. Every single din in Shulchanar. That's the that's the surface of the garment. Uh, uh, the the intellectual uh, the intellectual inquiry into what this particular din is or the Gemara what it means. But Hashem's infinite wisdom is compacted into the finite garb of these Torah laws. And as we have seen, not only does your mind absorb these divine laws through study, that's what you're doing, you're absorbing them, you're engulfing them, you're taking something that was outside of you, and you're absorbing it into you, which is, which is yichud, which is that yichud of chasen and kala. But also, the reverse is true, that sichlos melubash bahem, your mind becomes absorbed in them, as it is captivated by them as it is in the yichud between a man and a woman. It goes both ways. 
What is it like for your mind to be absorbed and engulfed by the divine, and at the same time have the divine totally absorbed within you? So the Tanya writes, This is a phenomenal merging experience of two beings. There is no other merging experience like it. Nothing remotely comparable exists in the physical world. Even what we think of, even, even the Chasna Kala, it's not like this. Will you become completely one with another entity from every conceivable, conceivable perspective and yet retain your own existence? You become one and yet you retain your own existence, that it's me. And yet there is this unity that the Tanya describes in such a way. Physically, it is impossible to engulf something else and at the same time be engulfed by it. That can't be, physically. It's either within you or you're within it, but not simultaneously. That can't be. It's physically impossible. Yet, when you study the Torah... That is precisely what happens. You engulf, master, the Torah that you're learning, and it engulfs and completely captivates you. Is there a phenomenal merging experience too when you study other forms of wisdom besides Torah? So, you're, you're, you know, you're engulfing the Wall Street Journal or something. La Havdal Alf, Alf, Infinite Havdalas. One second. Let's just finish this, this, the paragraph here. So, you, you're, you're, you're studying, you're studying, um, uh, you're studying the paper. Are you studying something for school? The mind would seem to operate the same way regardless of what you study. What's the difference of what the subject matter is? So you're studying economics. You know, that's. There is, however, a key on the next side. There is, however, a key distinction. When you study astronomy, for example, now here it gets a little bit sticky because there are chalchim. It's not the same side of the page. Shem just. I, I, I meant yeah across across this. So. When you're studying when you're studying um, uh, astronomy or mathematics, so you know, when is something uh, considered to be chachma um, external wisdom, not not Torah wisdom? When you study, you know what's 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 in, uh, what's purely secular as as the <coughs> being defined <coughs> by halacha. This actually is a discussion. You know, are you allowed to study astronomy on Shabbos? Are you, are you allowed to study mathematics on Shabbos? Okay, these are these are questions not going to go into right now. But uh, obviously, in the course of trying to understand, for instance, the halachas of Kiddush Hakodesh, one has to learn astronomy, and and when one learning when one is learning the halachas of Erevin, so you have to learn mathematics and geometry. <clears throat> so. Without going into, into into the details of this, um, it's not always a clear um, divider between the two. One is this considered to be limitator or not? A lot of it has to do with the person's intentions. But but just uh, in a, in a broad way, there is, however, a key distinction. He explains when you study astronomy, for example, 
you do not become one with the planets themselves. Unless you've been smoking something, you know, you, 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 it's you and the, uh, you know, it's you and Jupiter. It's not I am Jupiter. I mean, we've met people like that, but that's 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 a problem when that happens. Yeah. Your mind, so th- th- they don't become one. Your mind unites with the concept of the planets. Say it's an idea. It's a concept. But there is an, there remains an inherent duality between the idea and its subject. On the other hand, now here's the difference. God looked into the Torah and created the world. Torah is the blueprint of creation itself. When you study something in the Torah, that thing is a direct product of the idea as it exists in the Torah. And you therefore have a phenomenal merging experience. Because it's, because the Torah is an extension, kivyochel, of Hashem's mind. As opposed to creation itself, which we're going to learn what happens when we're doing a mitzvah. When you're doing a mitzvah, it's, a, it's, a, it's also an amazing thing. Doing a mitzvah is amazing. But it does not equal, it does not equal Limerat Torah. Limerat Torah is, is an or pnimi, it's a memalai, whereas when it fulfills Rotzen Hashem, the will of God, it's an or makif v'sovev, it's surrounding, it's sovev. It's, it's observing Hashem's will, but it's not a yichid with Hashem. On the level that takes place, when a person when a person is, is studying Torah. Of course a mitzvah is is a there's a yichud that takes place with a mitzvah as well. And therefore we say Lashem I'm going to now sit in the sukkah. I'm now going to bench Lulav. There is also of course a yichud kuchibihoshkinte, but but not on the level that takes place when a person when a person is learning Torah. I'm sorry, you want. Is there a hierarchy of yeah, which the, which the Tani speaks about. We're not going to go into here. That's what I mentioned before. There is Pshat, Remez, Remez, Jerusalem, and Sod. There is a ladder. There's a hierarchy, and that level of Yichud becomes more intense as one as one goes deeper and deeper into the hidden meaning of of, of, of what one is learning. There is a hierarchy. Even like on a basic level. The most basic level of a child that's sitting and saying, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hey. It's a Yichud. The Isis. It's a Yichud. And the child trying to picture in his mind the Aleph and trying to understand. And when you and I just sit down and try to understand what Rashi is talking about, and we're trying to learn a Pasuk and Chumash and Navi, it's a Yichud Nifla, with all of the adjectives that the Tani is using. And to the degree that a person absorbs that in his mind and becomes absorbed by it, the Yichud becomes more and more intense. A person can concentrate on, a, on, a, on the letter Aleph for a year. What that means, what the Aleph is. There are levels and levels. It's infinite. It's Hashem's mind. There's no Shia. The Zoyas Maili Yisera. Let's continue. The Zoyas Maili Yisera Gedola V'Niflol Ha'ein Kates. This is the endlessly great and wonderful advantage. Asher V'Mitzvah Siyediyas Hatar V'Asagos Al Kol HaMitzvah Maisi. 
possessed by the mitzvah of knowing and mastering the Torah over all the other mitzvahs that involve action. <coughs> thinking, learning Torah is thinking God, Kivyochel. In every other respect, the human mind cannot grasp him, cannot, cannot, cannot in any way contain him, except when learning Torah. So, learning Torah and understanding Torah is higher than mitzvahs maiseis, than any act that is performed when doing a mitzvah. And yet, of course, there are times when the person is Isaac mitzvah, he's potem in a mitzvah, now he's exempt from other mitzvahs, and then the question comes into halacha, how does that exempt him, for instance, Kriyas HaMegillah, or a mitzvah that is not, that no one else is able to do, and it's left up to him to take care of. So how is it possible that, that, that that could um, um, pot to him from learning Torah. Why would it be possible for a person to ever stop learning to perform a mitzvah? Mm-hmm. That's a very big discussion, both in halacha and chasidus. It's not the same. The p'tur of ha'isig mitzvah, potem mitzvah, that when you're busy with one mitzvah, it exempts you from another mitzvah, it's not the same discussion as ha'isig mitzvah's talmud Torah. Or our Isaac Mitzvah is part from Talmud Torah. It's a different discussion. That's not for now, but it's a different discussion, both in Halacha and in Chasidus, when it comes to Limanat Torah. It's much more difficult to exempt oneself from learning than from uh, Mitzvahs. Much more difficult. Because of what's happening when a person is learning. And, uh, and, and Avram Ravina walking away from, from a uh, uh, conversation with Hashem in order to take care of his company and to and to put out, uh, to put out uh, uh, some food it needs to be understood in Panemius what that means. How could he walk away from that meeting of, 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 of Kivyochel the Mines to, to be Isaac in something which is so mundane as, as preparing a meal? How could that be? Right? These are all important conversations that, that the Swarm talk about at length, and Tani himself discusses at length. Now, Philo Mitzvah Satlis even those mitzvahs connected with speech. Since <coughs> so speaking is a type of action. Akima svasayim is a maizid. Moving our lips. When davening is a type of action. It's a level of action as well. You, you, you don't just read the siddur. You, you pronounce the words. It's akima svasayim is a maizid. Same thing when, 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 learning, when learning Torah. One should preferably pronounce the words. Even those mitzvahs connected with speech, since speaking is a type of action. In fact, knowing and mastering the Torah with your mind has an advantage even over the mitzvah of verbalizing Torah, which you study. So you're pronouncing the words. The highest level of learning Torah is understanding it deeply, as opposed to just saying the words without understanding it. The most important thing is to understand it as deeply as you can, to absorb it as much as you can into your mind. Why is the mitzvah of knowing the Torah greater than any mitzvah of action? Since with all of the mitzvahs involving speech or action, HaKadosh or 
there is a one-way absorption of the person into the divine. When it comes to mitzvahs involving speech or action, all the other mitzvahs, not limit at her. There is a one-way absorption of the person into the divine. As the soul is absorbed in God and surrounded by the light of Hashem, from head, head to foot. So when we're sitting in the sukkah, we're not just physically absorbed in the sukkah. When you're sitting in the sukkah, you're absorbed in the sukkah, right? It's makif. The sukkah is no makif, and you're surrounded by the sukkah, and you're inside the sukkah. By all mitzvahs, even though there are mitzvahs that are makifas, mitzvahs, pinimis, I'm not going to go into that right now. But by all mitzvahs, a person is stepping into elokos. When you step into the sukkah, you're stepping into God. And you're, and you're surrounded by the light of Hashem from head to foot. You're stepping into God, like stepping into a sukkah. You're stepping into Hashem. Now, there are going to be madragas with kavana and so on. But on the most basic level, a Jew in the simplest way performs a mitzvah. He's stepping into that, into the, into Elokus. But with the mitzvah of knowing the Torah, of learning it and knowing it, in addition to your mind being absorbed into divine wisdom, in addition to stepping in, to Hashem's mind. And what happens then is that losing its identity, that your mind loses its identity in in your mind's effort to understand the Dvar Hashem, you're not thinking about yourself. Your own mind loses its own separate identity. You also absorb the divine wisdom into your egoic mind, into your mind that you're separate, you, you feel like you're a separate person, you're not God. You absorb the divine wisdom into your egoic mind. As your mind masters, grasps, and absorbs whatever Torah knowledge you are able to absorb and master. Turn the page. Each person, of course, it's according to his ability. In fact, the capacity to fill being with divine light is limited in each case according to the person's mind and his cognitive powers. So nobody feels bad. Again, it's the same thing with a child and with the whether it's a child or it's the Vilna Gaon. Vasagoso, according to what that person is able to be masi to comprehend, to grasp and absorb he enters into God, and God enters into him, which is impossible in anything physical. Bipshat remes drush v'sod. And his grasp, grasp of pshat, the literal, remes allegorical, drush, homiletical, and sod, mystical methods of Torah interpretation. Lefishay b'diyasat Torah still. Even though your capacity may be limited, filling your being with divine light is particularly powerful. Even the person that doesn't have a strong or sharp mind. Because with the mitzvah of knowing the Torah, the Torah is absorbed in your soul mind and is engulfed by them. 
This inner absorption of divine light is alluded to by the scriptural comparison of Torah to bread and food. That is why Torah is called bread and food. Torah is called bread and food. Not mitzvahs. Torah is called bread and food. That is why Torah is called bread and food of the soul. But just as physical bread nourishes your body only when it is actually absorbed inside of you, so when you're eating the food and it becomes digested, it becomes you. You become one with that when it's absorbed inside of you. And it only keeps you alive. When does it actually nourish you, the food? Not if you right away spit it out or, or throw up. It only keeps you alive after it has been transformed into blood and flesh of your flesh. It only, it only sustains you, it only nourishes you when it's become you. It's a, that's a yichud that one has with the food that you're eating. Kach the, the other side, the same, the left side. Now the same page, but just across. Those who have the page are not looking inside. It's really chaval. That's a failure to absorb things properly. Also, that's how we're supposed to be learning Torah is inside. I tell that to the boys in yeshiva, and the same thing to us as adults. It's not the same thing to sit and to look at the ceiling, and to look inside of a sefer. The same is true with your soul's knowledge and mastery of Torah. When you study it well, focusing the mind, to the point where the Torah is absorbed by your intellect, merging with it to become one. Then it provides nourishment for the soul. When you learn it in such a way, and you absorb it into you, and as you're letting go of yourself and absorbing this into you, it becomes one with you, and then the Torah becomes Mosul and Nefesh. Then it provides nourishment for the soul, and it changes your life. And life for it, from the giver of life, the blessed infinite light, which is dressed in his wisdom, in his Torah now absorbed inside it. The Torah is compared to bread and food. Since it fills your soul with divine light, thereby nourishing and sustaining it. And that's what it says in Tillam. This is the meaning of the verse, your Torah is in my innards, it's in my kishke. I learn Torah in such a way that I absorb it into me. The comparison between Torah and food is also found in the Kabbalistic sources. Now the mitzvahs are not called food. The mitzvahs are called levushim, garments. And there's a difference. A garment is not absorbed inside of you. And you're not really even absorbed into the garment. You take it on, you take it off. Only Torah is called food. Go, the mitzvahs are called levushim. 
garments. And that's what's explained there in Eschaim. Shalavusha is talking there about about the effect of the mitzvahs that we kept in our lives, like how does that work for us when we die? Like all the mitzvahs that we did. All the mitzvahs, including the davening and, 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 and all the, and every year the sukkah and the shayfah and the lulav and, and, and the kiddush and havdalah, whatever. All of the mitzvahs, like what happens after we die? With all, that, with all of the mitzvahs that we did, what happens? So the, I was talking about that, and the Rizal says, it's based upon the Zohar, that the mitzvahs performed during your life provide garments for your soul in the afterlife, which is a chash of a thing. It's an amazing thing. The levushim, it's not physical, of course, but the levushim, the garments of the soul after we die, are from the mitzvahs that we keep. But it can't compare to the Torah that we learn. Well, the Torah which you studied authentically, and that's, uh, mm-hmm. okay, that's like a, that, that could hurt. <laughs> All right? the, the Torah that a person learns is Lishma. In a certain way, therefore, with mitzvahs, it's easier because with the mitzvahs, a mitzvah is kavana. What if a person is doing mitzvahs, sort of, uh, you know, by rote? Is that, is, is that, is the effect of, of, of uh, or is what's missing to the mitzvah as terrible as what's missing to a person who's learning Torah, and it's not lishma, he's learning Torah to show off, God forbid, or to make money, whatever it might be. He's not learning Torah authentically lishma. Right, that's, that's a big subject. Well, the Torah which you study authentically lishma in this world will be food for your soul in the afterlife. It's not the same thing as a garment. In the afterlife, your soul will be exposed to intense divine revelation, each one of us. To remain comfortable in that environment. To enjoy and to remain comfortable. Now, we don't know what that means. So a person might say, okay, so I won't be so comfortable. <laughs> we don't know what that means. <clears throat> to be uncomfortable is worse thing than, <clears throat> than being in a chamsin without air conditioning, understand? It's not, we just have hasagas, are very silly, but what it means to be comfortable or uncomfortable. To remain comfortable in that environment. It needs to, A, protect itself from receiving more revelation that it can handle, because that, that, that's not healthy for the neshama, and the neshama will not enjoy, and B, absorb whatever is safe and comfortable for it. So you, the, the neshama needs to, be to, needs to be protected from light that it can deal with in the next world, and it needs to be able to absorb whatever it can deal with to be able to absorb that light. The mitzvahs you perform during your lifetime provide garments for the soul. To protect it from too much revelation. The Torah you study in this world enriches the soul's capacity to absorb revelation in the future. The term Lishma in this case means that the person's intention when he learns Torah, this is the Shita of the Baal Tov and the Talmud of Baal Shem, is that the person intends when he opens up the Savior to learn, the intention to attach your soul to God through understanding the Torah according to your mind's ability. Zehu. That my intention when I'm learning, I open up the Gemara, my intention is to attach my mind to Hashem, to attach myself to God to the according, according to my mind's ability to understand. Kamesha Kosov Priyetz Chaim, as written in Priyetz Chaim. 
Learning Torah Lishma for Iseg usually means that you study it as a divine command, for God's sake. Here Lishma, so I'm not just learning Torah because Hashem told me to. There's a higher level of Kavana, the Rebbe says that's what we're referring to. Lishma is interpreted to mean that you were conscious of the Torah's spiritual effect to attach your soul to God. So with, from now on, I mean, many of you have learned, I'm sure you all learned this part before, but when a person learns Torah, you should think of the fifth parak of Tanya. Review it in 30 seconds or in 10 seconds. Review what we're learning. When you sit down to learn, you think about this for a minute or two. While Eitz Chaim and the Zohar drew a distinction between mitzvahs as garments and Torah as food, the Tanya will argue now that Torah can act in both capacities as garment and food, because the Torah is both, it's the, it's the, it's, it's a, it's the food that we absorb and are absorbed by, so to speak, but it's also a mitzvah with eyes. It's also a commandment. Torah is also a commandment. The soul's food refers to its ability to internalize divine light. Its garments refer to its sensitivity to transcendent divine lights, which cannot be internalized. Therefore, Chazal say the study of Torah is equal to all mitzvahs. All mitzvahs are just garments. But Torah is Muslim the Gamlavush. The Torah is a mitzvah, and it's also, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's Muslim, it's, gar- it's food, and it's also Lavush. <coughs> The mitzvah are just garments, whereas Torah is both food and garment. For the rational divine soul is absorbed in analyzing and studying Torah. As we have discussed, Torah empowers your soul to absorb the divine and to be absorbed in it. In that sense, Torah is both food, which is absorbed in the soul, and a garment by which the soul is surrounded, an ormakif, surrounded and absorbed. It's surrounded and absorbed. It's an ormakif, like any of the other mitzvahs, that surrounds and absorbs us. Torah as well as a garment is further enhanced. The Torah as a garment, as a mitzvah, is further enhanced when you articulate the words verbally. When we say the words, as the Zohar teaches, when we say the words of Torah, then the vapor, the breath that comes out from our mouths, then surrounds the head, surrounds the person. When we say the words. So the or pnimi becomes an or makif. There's a yichud of or makif and or pnimi when learning. Since the breath ex- exhaled into, exhaled into the word, words elicits tr- transcendent divine lights. While Torah is primarily an experience of knowledge, Jewish law requires words of Torah to be verbalized as they are studied. This, the Kabbalah suggests, also endows the experience with the quality of a garment of transcendent divine light. In conclusion, by studying Torah and performing this in this world, your soul becomes equipped to receive a divine revelation in the afterlife. It is Torah study in particular that does this most effectively, especially when you say the words of Torah out loud. Uh, that's the Indian of Makif and Pnimi with mitzvahs. We'll talk about that in Halach a little bit, and then we'll then we'll see how this affects, how this transformed Jewish life, uh, and how Chassidus revolutionized, Baal Shem Tov revolutionized Jewish life, even on the simplest level uh, of how Jews uh, relate to Minhagim and the simplest things in our lives, how it made a complete revolution and transformation.